Blog Talk Radio. They couldn't choke me I'm in that night now I will not fall asleep And I'm from overseas Yes, they're trying to be free Erase the demons out of our memory Change your name And your identity I'm afraid of the truth And the dark history Finds everybody always chasing me Turn up the roots of your family tree Don't you know That's not the way to be Jerusalem If I forget you Of the Simon says, if I forget the truth, then my words won't penetrate. Babylon bringing in a place, can't see through the case. Chop down all of them dirty ways. That's the price that you pay for selling lies to the youth. No way, not okay. Oh, no way, not okay. Hey. Ain't no one gonna break my stride. Ain't no one gonna hold me down. Oh, no. I got to keep on moving, stay alive.
Good morning, folks, uh, to the Portico of Solomon. We got another episode going on today. Uh, Let's see if we can get our brothers together to chat a little bit about the Bible. I uh, just opened up the chat and just checking all my audio settings here, making sure I'm, I'm coming through okay, that we're recording fine. So the call the call in number is three four seven two one five six seven nine one. That's the guest call in number if folks wanna wanna come in and, and join in on the discussion. Um I we had planned to discuss a little bit more uh, on what we talked about uh two weeks ago with Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. And uh, our brother Tim's felt that we had covered too much. Uh, we haven't covered in depth enough on, on what the meaning of Shem was, what role that was going to function, what it meant to dwell in the tent of Shem. So that's what we were, we were going to try to get into today. Um, but unfortunately, Tim's is not going to be able to join us. He has other obligations uh, with his family. So we'll we'll put that a little bit on the back burner as far as um, discussing that, you know, getting into it, really digging into it. But the cool thing about uh, the Bible and about God's Word is that we start discussing any story in the Bible, and eventually you're going to start hearing the same things repeated over and over. So even though we're not going to directly talk about the tense of Shem, um, you're going to... We're gonna we're gonna cover it. I mean, it's just it's just inevitable. All right. So we got a call in number here three four seven two one five six seven nine one. If I can get an audio check in the chat room, make sure everything is cool. Uh, my brothers have not come on yet, but that's okay. We'll uh, we'll keep rolling until uh, one of them is able to to jump on here. So I guess maybe what what we can get into a little bit. What was on my mind last night as having a, a private discussion with a, with a family member, really kind of somewhat touching on, on what is to come, kind of discussing some of the, the doctrines that are in the various churches and, and you know, what they believe and, and why they believe that, trying my best not to cause anybody to stumble, trying my best not to overwhelm anybody trying to find a manner in which to um, discuss what is to come with, with, with those individuals that maybe only uh, rely on milk, that haven't yet got into the meat of the word. So that's what I was kind of um, concentrating on uh, kind of last night as I was as I was prepping some notes for, for today's show. So I want to get into the most... And really, I mean, you can't go anywhere in the Bible without being able to show somebody what is to come. So if they have a favorite chapter, a favorite verse, a favorite story in the Bible, you can use that to lead them and to show them what is to come. But one of my favorite ones, and one of the ones that I think that really demonstrates the best... The, the, really the, one of the best ways that the Lord has shown shown us what is to come is uh, is in discussed in Matthew 
chapter 13. Um, and, it, and it really talks about, and it's, it's got quite a few parables in there, and then the Lord elaborates on these parables. Um, so, when you look at those, there's one particular one, um, the parable of the wheat and the tares, and it, and it being explained. And, and using that, I found, is really an effective way to get across what, what God's trying to tell us here, okay? So, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, looks like we got someone that just came on, so let me, let me bring them on. Hey, Matthew, is that you? That is me. How you doing, Jose? I'm doing great. Uh, just had breakfast with my family, so uh, I, I'm uh, well fed. They're well fed. They're you know everyone's settling down for their Sunday afternoon, so it's uh, not a better time to get on here and, and discuss a little Bible here. So I'm great. Amen. Amen. We don't have uh, Thames yet, huh? Yeah. No, he's uh, he's not going to be in today. Um, his family just got in. They, you know, they were away for a little bit, so uh, oh, he's, that's he's right. Busy enjoying them. Uh, he, he won't. We won't be enjoying his company. They'll, they'll they'll have them to to themselves, which is which is fine. So yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And and Tim was the one that really wanted to to cut, get a little bit more in depth on discussing Shem. So I'm not gonna, you know, dig in too deeply into that today, Matthew. Just I want to save it for Tim and see what he has to share with us. Um, that was what I was telling the listeners is anything we talk about, I mean, you're, you're going to cover it. You know, it's, I think we've shown that over and over. Um, so God repeats himself. And so even though we're going to be discussing a, another, you know, chapter in the Bible, inevitably we're going to get to discussing, uh, dwelling in the tents of Shem. I mean, you just can't help it. That's right. That's, that's right. You, you you can't get around this fact. And everybody needs to just put this into context. Uh, I don't know how many times people have asked me the question, why did Jews call God Hashem? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, they know. You see, <laughs> Hashem, as... When you look into the Hebrew, ladies and gentlemen, Shem also means name. Okay, so they are by extrapolation trying to include themselves and make sure that uh, they not only are Shem, but remain in his tents. They know this. Uh, and, well, let's, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, I was a little late uh, getting here because my boys uh, wanted to know all the inside secrets. You know, they, they, they wanted to know what was going on. In all these <clears throat> very important uh, biblical narratives, and it's there uh, in the Greco Bible source code about the watchers, and of course the mighty Nebuchadnezzar, uh, when his head was bowed for seven years. And I got really irritated about it, ladies and gentlemen. I really got irritated about it because I kept asking him, "Why did it happen? Why did it happen? Well, it punished him. No, 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 no." That's not why it happened. The angel showed up, struck him this way. What was the end result? The end result was not that he would get his kingdom back. No, 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 no. The end result was that he repented 
and gave praise to the Lord God of heaven. Now, this is why the Kabbalists know that it was so very important for them to go to Babylon, because whether you like it or not, you have to come to the reckoning in your mind that here it plainly states that the watchers were ministering spirits appointed over those that would uh, inherit salvation. Of course, everybody should know uh, my reference there to Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verse 14. Now, Christians hate this, and Christians absolutely gnashed their teeth at about everything that came out of Babylon, and they weren't good and weren't, well, I hate to rain on all of your parties. But Nebuchadnezzar was appointed uh, to inherit salvation, and this watcher was sent to him to kick him in the teeth for seven years to make sure uh, that the end result was acquired. So when you know this, uh, this is why uh, they want you to know whenever they speak about this, you know, whenever you ask them, well, what's God's name? They will tell you Hashem, Hashem. And then if you ask them to explain it, they're not going to come out and tell you the truth about Genesis chapter 9, verse 27. They're not going to tell you that's why they're doing it. Okay, because they know these things. Uh, why do you think uh, that uh, throughout all of history, no one has ever rivaled uh, the Babylonians in what Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego taught them? It was the whole purpose, the whole rhyme, the whole reason. So when you understand uh, these things, you realize that... Uh, those of the synagogue of Satan hate this fact. They they hate it. Uh, the simple fact that uh, this is plainly put down as a promise. There's nothing they can do about it. There's there's absolutely nothing they can do about it, and they know it. Uh, but you can just imagine them gnashing their teeth. Imagine if this had happened to Hitler. Oh my goodness, did I sting you that you might bleed? Who are you to choose? Let's just say for a moment that the Lord our God decided for Himmler to inherit salvation. Because that's what we're talking about. Here, let's see if um, <clears throat> let's see if uh, Jose can remember all about Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, was he a nice guy? Jose, did 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 he treat the Jews good, did he? All he got to do is read uh, the book of Jeremiah to see what he did when he entered Jerusalem. Um, he was pretty ruthless. Very Hitler-like uh, right. opposed to making Jerusalem. And he's the one that, uh, well, carried them all off to Babylon, right? Right. Poked out the king's okay, eyes so and all that stuff. That's right, that's right. So let's fast forward that, Jose, to 1930. Who are we talking about? It's an isochronal event, right? Right. Okay, who are we talking about in the 1930s? Uh-oh, everybody's getting quiet and they're getting mad. I don't care if you get mad or not. I, I, do you think I actually care what your will is? Never cross my mind to care about your will. Now, the will of the Lord my God I'm very concerned with, and when I find out that there is someone, and I don't care who it is, that is going to inherit salvation, I just take a deep swallow, and I say, Amen. But just because um, 
these things happened, it makes you really do wonder what happened in that bunker at the end. You know, and I don't want to get into conspiracy theories or whatever, but I'm just here to point out to you that Nebuchadnezzar inherited salvation. And you have to realize how much the Jews hate that. He was their persecutor. He's the one that destroyed the kingdom of Israel. And I probably caught everybody off guard, didn't I? Just like my sons. They just kept answering all the wrong questions. No, that's not why the angel came. No, God wasn't mad. Blah, 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 blah. And I mean, this went on for 15 minutes before they finally figured it out. Go read it. Why did the angel come? Oh, the angel came in the first place so that he would repent and praise God. That's right. That's what happened. So, when we look at this in the context, you know, for Tim's sake, let's just read the verse, shall we? Because it's actually, uh, you know, three phrases. It's actually three phrases in Hebrew. It's ten words is what it is. It's ten words. That equals a certain number. By the way, <laughs> if you divide that calculation by the number of letters in it, you, of course, come to the faithful witness, the cycle of the moon. Anyway, that's irrelevant at this point. But these three phrases are extremely important because remember, uh, we talked last time about Canaan. Well... That's here. Now, the second phrase, we could read it this way. And he shall dwell in the tents of the name. That's Hashem. <laughs> but remember about Canaan. You could also read it, trans just take out that phrase. We'll just put it in a translator. It will probably read something like this. Uh... Merchants will serve, not Canaan. How many times have I told you that this entire creation, everything you see, has been set up for the bride? Now, Jose, you and I both hate the pyramid scheme, right? Amen. Okay. Um, but you're going to swallow it, aren't you? It's the uh, only matter I have right now of... Uh providing for my family. And now oh, you yeah. know why, don't you? Right. Now you know why. Ladies and gentlemen, there are Christian Inuits right now that are up in the Challenger cold. Oh, for the love of Pete. Jose, how do you think they get watermelon? <laughs> they don't grow it right there in their igloos, Matthew. No, they don't grow it in igloos, ladies and gentlemen. The, the merchants bring it in. And this is tied exactly with this concept of the Jews hating Babylon. You don't have to like it. You, you, you don't have to like it. And I don't like it. Jose don't like it. But this is the reason why 
Uh, well, here, let me give an example. Come on, yesterday, I've got a weeping willow tree in my yard, and it's absolutely out of time and out of place. What in the name of the Lord my God is a weeping willow tree doing here? It, it doesn't. Anyway, we pulled up, uh, and there was an elderly woman outside with two of her great-grandchildren. And they were just staring at a weeping willow tree. And I get out and walk over there. and Well, they're from Bowman. And, of course, her grandchildren had moved here. And she'd never seen one. And she was standing there marveling after it. <laughs> of course, my wife got up and said, would you like to have a shoot from it? And the old lady just was beside herself. Oh, my goodness, that would be the greatest gift, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there looking at her. She don't realize that it's wound up in our septic. Uh, and it's cro- and it's causing me great consternation uh, because it's in the in the sewer pipe. Uh, so anyway, we've had our the roto rooter out here a few times, and we need to have it again. Uh, but of course, my wife got one of the chutes, got her little shovel out, took it out, put it in a you know little uh, bucket thingy, and gave it to her. And you need to realize, you need to understand it. The Assyrian knows all this. <laughs> and it just blows me away how you... Oh, my gosh. You listen to this load of crap that these false shepherds just shovel down your throat. Right from the pigsty. <laughs> I mean, it's not milk, and it sure as fire ain't meat. They're just shoveling it right down your throat. And it just blows me away how you cannot see, you cannot hear. And this has everything to do with this verse right here. And now that I pointed it out to you, now you realize why they always refer to Hashem, the name. That's why. And that's how I'm going to steer this. I mean, I don't know how it is possible that the Lord my God put it on my brother Tim to go into this deeper, and I was going to allow him via the Holy Spirit and ask Jose when we get together in private, this is what I always say. No, you two are going to be my guide from the Holy Spirit. I will only go... So far, wherever the Spirit leads you to, I will follow. Yeah, but we want to know everything, they say. No, I don't care what Jose wants, and I really don't care what Tim's wants. What we want is for the message for the bride to be delivered, and we don't know what all that is. I can't see that far, and I don't want to see that far. What I want to see is his face. Now, whatever it takes for that to happen, that'll do. Amen, amen. Um, we got we got someone with their with their hands up, Matthew. So let me uh, let me see if we might have a a little surprise here for us. Okay. Hey, Tams, is that you? Hey, how you guys doing? Good, good. Nice to see you. Really? Us, 
<laughs> really? Matthew talking, uh, talking behind your back, Tim. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing, Tim? Well, you can probably hear the my allergies, but I'm I'm good. My my family's back, and uh, I'm good. All right, all right. Well, you, you you stay on as long as you can. I know you're you're busy enjoying your family, and, and at first you weren't going to be able to join us. So glad you're here. But you know, if you need to jump off, feel free. Um, but hey, it'll it'll let us get into a little bit of, of what you wanted to cover. Sound good? Sounds nah. good. No, nah, it don't sound good to me at all. Uh, uh, Jose can be full of grace and mercy but not the likes of me now Tim the Lord your God wanted you to set this up so I'm not even going to ask you because I already know you have certainly got the wind beneath your wings enough to at least describe to us why you wanted to go here amen Amen. All right, let's do that. Let's hear it. Well, I think you were I think you were already heading in the right direction. You were you were getting ready to to go there. I don't want to I don't want to disrupt that that flow. I just had a check in my spirit that we hadn't really given enough of the foundation uh that's going to be necessary when we go further into the story of Joseph and his brothers. Um, there's things that we've all talked about privately and certainly things that we've all read and uh, we just hadn't uh, provided enough uh, just enough of a of a bridge for folks to be able to get to where it is that or see where it is that we're going Well, Tim, I mean, when you say that, you know, the first thing that's jumped out to folks is the fact that both of those stories that you're talking about involve brothers. So the Lord's connecting them right there. Now, we know that Joseph had more brothers, but you could very easily divide his brothers up into Shem, uh, Ham, and Japheth. And keep that in your mind as you read that story uh, what happened to Joseph in Egypt and what happened when his brothers arrived in Egypt. Um, that That's probably, you know, why it was a good thing to start with Genesis chapter 9. Having these brothers in our, in our, in our, at the front of our, our, of our thoughts as we went into the story of Joseph. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, we, we understand that we could sit here on, on each of these um, topics and, and cover them for months and never never get to the bottom of it. So, you know, if we need to cover more of Shem in order to understand the story of Joseph, then, then we'll do that. That's a good thing. Well, amen. I, I just, you know, not to belabor a point because we make it pretty much every time we're on the air, but understanding those three brothers, um, when you go back and you read Scripture, it will help you to understand uh, the different milestones and markers that have been set out for you so that you know uh, exactly where you are and who you're dealing with. But um, in this particular story, or history rather, uh, dealing with what happened with the father there, it's, it's extremely important prophetically. 
and it's not the first time that it happened. It's it's not the first time that someone's nakedness was uncovered. And I know you you and I we've spoken about uh, the nakedness before, um, but really getting a little bit deeper into that covering and understanding what that is, I think that that will be very helpful for the listeners as they go through and read the Bible, because it will help them, just as the brothers do, will help them to be able to see in other places where these things have happened before. Amen. It it certainly will. (laughs) Uh, It certainly will, uh, no doubt about that. And that's pretty important. But I, I, Tim, I think what took everybody by surprise is that I, you know, we we brought up last week that hey, uh, it's not only the three wives of Abraham we're talking about. We're talking about the three sons of Shem, or the three sons of Noah. And that's important that we understand that because, well, like I. Like I brought up, and I got tons of questions about this. We are so very limited, and one of the main things that limited, you know, that limits us is, is our division between the masculine and the feminine. And in order for God to relay all the information that, and and Tim, you're saying this because I know what you have perceived and you have perceived a vast quantity of data regarding what is to come through this right amen and you realize that it troubles you that the bride runs around calling herself that but yet her shepherd has left her clueless Clueless, clueless. And that's disturbing to you. It pricks you. And you doth bleed. But is not life in the blood? Amen. So that's why we're we're looking here. That that's that's why God is driving Tim to cover this. And especially for his mother's sake. You know, I, I'm i not going to go into deep detail with it, but Tim has been given a mother prophetically. And Tim realizes that, oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, You can run around with a lamp all you want to calling yourself a Christian. You really can. But of course, the real question is whether it's filled with oil or not. Right? Amen. So... This is so vitally important for you to know. You don't have to be in the dark. You don't belong there. You were not created to be in the dark. 
you just well, no, weren't. you're not supposed to be in the dark, and prophetically, it's extremely important because, you know, we spoke privately one time about this that, um, you know, those lights they mark they mark out his boundaries, and we know that his cloak was not torn, and those lights they go out for a reason. That's right. And at the same time, why is it that nobody can put these two together? Ladies and gentlemen, how many times have you heard these shepherds scream and cry about the temple veil being torn in two from top to bottom? And they will explain to you, and they will explain to you, and they will explain to you why that it was rent from top to bottom and it didn't go through the hem or the seam at the bottom. Why don't they tell you, no, 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 that's not the real reason. The real reason is this, that his clothes, his garment, his, do you remember? God even goes way out of his way to tell you that's why they took off the garment and, and uh, said, hey, man, let's have an auction here for these garments so they won't be torn. But go ahead, I guess. Run around and wait for Ezekiel's temple, I guess. I'm 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 sure that there's a lot of that listen to my voice that uh are supporting the Temple Institute right now. As a matter of fact I've been on the air with uh let me limit what I say. Um I've been on the air numerous times, uh, with one such shepherd uh, that actively and overtly supports the Temple Institute. <sighs> Love him to death. Unfortunately, uh, even the times I was with him on air, I was literally speaking Greek. And, you know, why don't you ask yourself this question, why is that a common phrase in today's society? It's all Greek to me. What, why do you think that is? You can't listen really quiet after you say that, and you can't hear them laughing at you? You know, why isn't it the common phrase that, uh, why isn't it, it's all Russian to me? Why is that? What's the origin of this phrase? Does anybody know that? Or So, that's what breaks my heart. I was speaking in broad daylight. Love him to death. And he couldn't understand a word I said. And there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. Well, amen. And it's because, well, we say over and over again, um, and God's been hitting me pretty hard with this all week, um, our inheritance is him. But if you talk to the average person, they think their inheritance is a new Camaro or a new Mustang, a new house or a better job. But our promise and our inheritance is actually him. 
And when you think right. about what, you know, oh, when you when you think about some of the other shows that we've done and what we talked about, um, remember what Boaz said: "Ask anything." And somebody wants that Camaro, and in reality, you, you he's giving you himself. That's what. I mean, tying it back into this show, Dwelling in the Tents of Shem, I mean, this is, I mean, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's magical. It's, well, it's probably why I've been in the Song of Solomon all week. Um, But that's our promise, that's our inheritance, ladies and gentlemen. Well, even even what Matthew was discussing about, you know, the the temple and and trying to rebuild another temple in Jerusalem. And yes, there's prophetic implications to keeping an eye on that and seeing what develops from that. But the Lord your God told you exactly what you're supposed to be looking for in regards to this new temple, to Ezekiel's temple. Right? The king himself told you his body is the temple. And if we're to be his body, then that's the temple we need to be concerned about. Those are the items that we should be concerned with cleansing. Those are the walls that we're supposed to be building. Those are the, that's the tent that we're supposed to be dwelling in and getting these lost sheep into that tent, into that temple, his body. Because, like what Tim said, that's what we were promised. And well, amen. And 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 how about this? Forgive me for interrupting you, but but I have to say this. I I can't be silent. The first tabernacle that he dwelled in, who made it? Who was responsible for building that first indwelling of his spirit? Who did he tell to make it? Who did he command to do it? And what was involved with that task? And God does not change. And if he does not change, <laughs> if he doesn't change, then the, the, the same the same mechanism that was responsible for that is the same mechanism that's responsible for the temple that he's going to dwell in for all of eternity. Amen. 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 You know, it it brings to mind to me. Oh my goodness! I really got pricked today. I really did, man. Boy, somebody had me gushing today, and then my poor voice walked into a trap, asking me about Nebuchadnezzar. <clears throat> uh. Look, ladies and gentlemen, don't send me any more questions about politicians. Just don't. And as a matter of fact, if anybody else sends me inquiry about there's such a thing as a Christian politician, I'm going to give you both barrels, and I'm not going to let up. 
I can go to places you've never dreamed of. Okay? I'm not going to put up with it no more. Look, <clears throat> I'm going to read this direct quote. Donald Trump says he is religious, loves God, and counts himself as a Presbyterian. But he may not have asked forgiveness for his sins. The Republican candidate told the Iowa Family Leadership Summit that he tries to right his wrongs on his own without God. I think if I do something wrong, I think I just try to make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. I don't, Trump said during the Q&A session. When asked directly if he has asked for forgiveness, he said, I'm not sure I have. I just go on and try to do a better job from there. I don't think so. Trump does, however, equate the sacrament of taking communion as a way to ask for forgiveness. When I go to into a church, and when I drink my little wine, which is about the only wine I drink, and I have my little cracker, I guess that is a form of asking for forgiveness, Trump said. I do that as often as possible because I feel cleansed, okay? To me, that's important. I do that. Uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen. Um, boy, he's running around with his lamp. Purchased at the Presbyterian Church, doesn't he, Tam? Amen. And let me say this very cleanly and clearly so you understand me. He's going to burn in hell. Ooh. Mm. Did that hurt? Here, let me say it again for your other ear. That's death. He's going to burn in hell. God's going to light him like a match because he has not been appointed to inherit salvation. Nope. Even though everybody does know his financial history, and God certainly did toss him off the top for a while, just like Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> right, Thames? Amen. Why don't you describe that for us? Wasn't Donald Trump one time worth like a bunch of money, and then all of a sudden he did some failed investments and lost a bunch of money? Now he's back on the top again, right? Or something like that? Yeah. Why don't you describe that for us? I don't know all the details. I know his family made a lot of money um, in real estate, primarily in New York, and I believe he had some troubles. It may have been in the 80s or so. Um, there's rumors that he may have um, had a bankruptcy. I'm not sure of the details. I I honestly don't know, but he's he's come back with a vengeance, and he's a lot wealthier than he was previously. He's got some TV shows and other things that he does, but he's, I think most of his money's in is through real estate and different uh, ventures that he's done there. Well, I guess I never it wasn't paid much one attention of, to him. 
I just guess it wasn't one of the watchers that straightened his kinks out the first time, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, what we're talking about today is detrimentally important to your survival! Look, I don't give a flying rip whether you believe the Word of God or not. And I don't care if you reject Matthew 24. You are going to swallow it. And it's going to be sweet as honey in your mouth, but it's going to sour your gullet. Take my word for it. You can run around and call Christ a liar all you want to. You are going to take Matthew 24, and you're going to take it in its full measure, baby. You don't have to understand a flying, ripping thing that's there. I really don't care whether you do or not. That's of no concern to me. The only thing I want to do is see his face. He has told you, even the mighty cherubims told you to come and see. You cannot come and see setting from your rocking chair with that glazed look over your eyes. You know, my son, my goodness, I go into the bedroom after studying the Bible. It's like 12 at night. I expect my wife to be long gone asleep. Oh, no. There's my son sitting on the bed with her, and she's explaining to him why all about an altar in the church. And my son already has her convinced that we should build our own altar. Because my wife has him convinced that that's where she got all of her strength from, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes from, is going up, you know, at least once a month when there's an altar call, and the whole church goes up to the altar and prays. There are no more altars. I, I, I ain't even seen one in this state. I have not seen one in this state because the boys got a little bit upset because they're under contract to clean one of the churches here. And I don't know if it was last weekend or the weekend before. They're there, and they're supposed to be wedding. And the pastor asked my boys to move some things up at the front, and they get a little, a little bit embarrassed because Daddy comes off half-cocked. See? Because I turned around and said, no, I don't think so. I said, I see underneath the carpet. I can fill it with my foot where the lag boats are for the altar. You removed it. You've got plenty of room up here for a uh, wedding. My boys ain't going to help you move nothing. And I turned my back on him and walked right out. My boys being, <laughs> you know, not adults yet, were embarrassed. You think that pastor said one single word to me? He bet your bottom dollar he didn't because he knew where the Spirit of the Lord his God lies. And it wasn't in his britches, that's for darn sure, and he knows it. Now, 
I really am sorry I had to be so pointed in my discourse. Especially toward Thames. But Thames is doing this for you. And if he was doing it for himself, I wouldn't be here right now. I assure you, I would be still out there in the yard, in the bright sunshine, discoursing with my sons about the book of Hebrews and why it was written and why what happened to Nebuchadnezzar happened to him. That's where I'd be. So we've got to talk about this, and why is it important to make sure that you know you're going to wind up in the tents of Shem? And not only that, remember, included in the same exact phrase, is that Canaan will be your servants, or that the merchants will serve you, whichever way you'd like to look at it. I really don't care what translation you use. But I think I've always, I have sufficiently enough uh, pointed out to you uh, the simple fact that uh, about the merchants and Canaan. And I know you can't find that in any English translation. But I don't know of any real English translation anyway, so that really don't matter to me. But I'm sorry I'm being so pointed to you. And, you know, Let's, let's, I, I'm going to say this just a little bit. Um, I'm going to give break before I say my next stanza. Uh, Jose needs to jump in here, and he's probably like, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. I, I don't care what his emotions are like. Uh, it's time for him to step in, even though he realizes why or not. Uh, Jose, jump in here for a second. Uh, you need to say what's on your heart. All right. Uh, I mean, it, it's pretty much just, just what I started off the show with, uh, guys, before you guys jumped on, um, having this, this private discussion with family members and, you know, inevitably what happens is people start to discuss doctrines, you know, well, you know, what about this? What about that? You know, and, and trying to step through that minefield without causing people to stumble. And it all comes down to if you believe in Jesus Christ, that he is your redemption, you start there. You start what he said in the Gospels. That's the boundary that's been established for you. You start there and you, and you read it and you believe everything he's told you. Everything from what, what his body is, being the temple, everything to how uh, the parable of the wheat and the tares, how the, how the reapers will gather them, cast out the tares, put them in the barn, Everything he's told you about what has to happen to that wheat once it's in the barn on that threshing floor, leave all of that, even though you understand it. You know it's true, you believe it. And then the Lord will expound your boundaries. And he'll start letting you get into his word, be it in the New Testament and the Old Testament, and those boundaries keep expanding as he helps you in your understanding. But you have to start you have to start with what your king told you and believe in it. Everything he told you, what you're supposed to do, those beatitudes there in Matthew chapter 5, um, following the will of your father and not your own will, you know, regardless of how in-depth or how complicated we get into these studies, 
It's the simplest things that start and the simplest things that are true that the Lord's told you. And that's going to, that's going to, that's going to be the faith that will allow you to prevail. That's going to be the faith that will allow you to endure. That's going to be the faith that will allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and to have those lamps filled with oil. You know, this is not too complicated. It, it really isn't. And I and I just wish that more people would, would believe what their king told them. Just just start there and and you'll be good. You'll be in those those tents of Shem. That's right. And <laughs> I'm probably going to say something that's really not too popular right now, okay? (laughs) Is that all right, everybody? Go ahead. Well, you see, this word here used, this name here used in uh, Genesis 9.27, okay? Um, I hope that... uh, you know, everybody realizes that uh, here it has a prefix lambda on it. I mean, I guess if you were in Spanish, it would be like la japas, okay? <laughs> but this word uh, is also used for something else in the Bible. And here it has a prefix, hey, it's caliph. Yes, it's caliphate. You know all about the caliphate with what's going on in the Middle East right now. That's what ISIS wants as a caliphate. Yeah, same word. You see, when you put the hay on it, you're going to, of course, be driven uh, to a couple of places in the Bible. The Hebraic Bible source code, because it comes up in Job 14.14 and Hebrews 27, verse 27. Ooh, you don't like that, do you? Well, when I do read it, you're probably all going to get excited about some flights of fancy that I'm alluding to. Job chapter 14, verse 14. Now here, uh, right there is Japheth with a hay on the beginning of it. That's what a prefix is. It's just a letter on the beginning of a word. So they're going to tell you in your Strong's that it's H2487. But anyway. If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my struggle, I will wait until my change comes. Yeah, right there's... Well, they're telling you it's caliph. No, it's change. And if you've never heard any eschatology experts whenever they're trying to drill into your head a flight of fancy and never mention that word, it's because they don't know what they're talking about. Hebrews chapter 22, verse 27. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which shall be shaken, as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. It's right there again, it's... Japheth, 
prefix lamed, prefix hey. Right there in your face. Now, I'm just here to tell you that even though it's been drilled into your head a flight of fancy, which is pure fiction, science fiction actually, uh, Cams will be the first to tell you that you better go through a change before you get to them there tense, because you're going to have to be changed to do it. The Bible says all kinds of strange things, like you're going to get your hinds feet and be able to travel in your high places. That's the only way you can get to that tent, by the way, just so you know. I'm not trying to uh, confuse you. I'm not. As the Lord God of heaven is my witness, in whom I fear and in whom I trust, I'm telling you the truth. The only way to get to those tents that you're supposed to be in is for you to be changed and to have your hinds feet. Because, well, let's talk about threshold a minute in the Bible. Everybody know about that threshold? I've heard lots of eschatology so-called experts talk about the threshold. <laughs> Well, I think the threshold into that tent's a little bit higher than what you thought. Matter of fact, it's so high that the Lord your God didn't even care to give you a dimension for height for Ezekiel's temple, whether you like it or not. So that threshold well, didn't David, might be... Uh, hang on just one second. Forgive me. But didn't David have something to say about being able to leap a wall? Exactly. Yes, he did. Oh, my goodness. You've probably confused everybody now. <laughs> That's right. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you know, you walk in your front door, there's that little lip there, you know, it's usually uh, the height of a one by four, about three quarters of an inch, five eighths. Imagine if that was, oh, I don't know. Imagine if that was, let's just say, 15 feet high. <laughs> you might want to reconsider doing a little bit more biblical study into that threshold. Now, it's beside the point that you all know about the biblical archaeology that's gone on in the city of Jerusalem. You see, because, well, out in the desert, you know, they really don't... When you usually build a structure, structure in those kind of conditions, you don't even have a threshold. It's just the whole structure setting on the ground. Right, Tim? Amen. Don't have a threshold. A threshold is only designed for one purpose, ladies and gentlemen. It's to keep the door frame perfectly square. You see, the threshold is what keeps the... Now, now listen. You better listen to me because I'm speaking to you. Even though you're clueless, I'm talking to you. Where did the Lord your God command you to put the blood of the Lamb? Where? Here, I'll let you cheat. Thames, where did the Lord... Tell the children of Israel to uh, do the first, uh, you know, the first Passover uh, sacrificial lamb. And where, where did he say to put the the blood? They put it on the doorpost. And the what? 
He said the header. Put it on the header and the door post or the cripples. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, what is it that keeps that square? Look down, it's the threshold. Threshold is what keeps that perfectly square. Or, of course, perfectly rectangle is what I meant. But yes, it's designed to keep those things square in perfect dimensions, right angles, so to speak. Right angles, so to speak. And, by the way... um, Everybody might want to listen uh, to another broadcast that's coming up. Uh, my very <laughs> good friend, uh, Johnny, over there on the Iron Show. You see, because Japheth comes up twice in the book of Judges, too, and it's important because it's in two chapters, actually. So you might want to look forward a little bit. I mean, it might be past your evacuation uh, deadline. So I don't know. Maybe you won't be able to see it or not. I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe you'll be... Maybe you will be will-of-the-wisp away before then. Even I will admit that anything is possible with God. So it is possible, but you might want to keep your ears open for Judges chapter 11, verse 6, and Judges chapter 12, verse 1. With me, anyway. I don't know about everybody else on the broadcast, but I'll be speaking plainly when I address it. Whether you can hear me or not, that's not up to me. That's up to the spirit of truth. See, because it's only the spirit of truth that will show you what is to come. Uh, Jose, bail me out of this attitude I got going on. Uh, I don't know what it is today. Uh, but you know, I got this. I got this question. You know, are are you gonna vote for a God hater? Are you gonna support this? You know, you're not a 501c3 organization, Matthew. So you can go out there and you can preach. Vote for him. Vote for him. Uh, and then my boys come to me thinking, well, no, Nebuchadnezzar was struck because he was a bad guy. Uh, so everything's got me in a tissy today. <laughs> and on top of that, I'm sitting here speaking for somebody else's mother. And I loved my my mother. Um, and it wounds me so deeply because I would do anything within my power uh, to be able to trade the time I had with my mother with one of my brothers, as deeply as that would wound me, I would voluntarily swap out my mother for their mother and the time they spent with them and and just make everything, just go back in time like magic and swap mothers. And I can't. And it really pisses me off that I can't. Because, well, she is deserving 
of honor because she certainly deserves it. Uh, and we certainly have been commanded to give honor where it is due. Uh, so, at any rate, Jose, I'm just in a hurricane over here. I'm just right mm-hmm. in the middle. I'm in the. I'm just in the eye of the whirlwind right now, and I'm just dying to get my hands on them. Uh, so, anyway, bail me out of this. Uh, get us going back on the right track, bub. Well, let's uh, let's let's step out of that that whirlwind, Matthew, and let's let's enter into those uh, tents of Shem and and take a look there. Um, Thames, I know you, you've got quite a bit to share here, but I think I'm just going to start with this verse, uh, Genesis 9:27, and I'm going to start with that word there, dwell in the Hebrew. So when I first looked at this word, what immediately struck me in the pronunciation, well, basically it's the same, almost the same word as the word mishkan, which of course is that tabernacle you were talking about, Tim's, when it was built the first time around. This word in the Hebrew, you know, it has a vav and a yod, and then it it's got the same ending as as Mishkan. Uh, you maybe pronounce it Rishkan, uh, something like that. But you can see the similarity in those words. So now, when I read these verses that have that has this word to dwell, I think tabernacle. And so, I really hope folks understand how important the tabernacle was in the wilderness when it was built the first time around, what purpose it served, what that tabernacle is going to serve, that tabernacle of David is going to serve in the wilderness the next time around. And have this uh, in your heads as we go go forward with that. So, Tim, maybe you want to comment on that. I'm sure you saw that this word is essentially, for dwelling, is essentially tabernacle. Well, amen. And... uh Tabernacle is actually one of the feasts which extends beyond uh, the millennial reign of Christ. I mean, is that not what he said, that that that, uh, that would extend forever? Amen. The nations will be commanded to, to follow that during the millennial reign. So, yes, the, the tabernacles is a is extremely important. Well, I can cover those verses that that, that word shows up in. Um, oh yeah. If, oh yeah. If if you don't have anything uh, else to add to that, Tim, so we can we can at least. No, read I, I think that's a good. I think that's a good. Um, I was I was held at the beginning for a reason, and so I'm I'm. I'm hearing what I was, what was said to me, and I'm being obedient to it. Amen, amen. So let's let's get these verses. I've I've got them showing up eight verses uh, in the Hebrew Bible, both the Old and New Testament. The first time it shows up in Genesis three verse twenty four, but I will read that stanza for us. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden 
to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword was turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. That word tabernacle is right there in verse 24. Tim, do you want to comment on that verse right there, having uh, talking about the tenth of Shem? Well, I'm going to get a little bit existential. Well, that's not the right, the right word. I'm I'm going to I'm going to get a little bit big picture here for a second. You remember that the Lord gave Adam the ability to name the animals. And that naming of the animals is going to be important as we get further into the study. Um, but that naming is not just names. It's a depth chart. It's an organizational uh, relationship. And Adam and Eve being taken out of the garden means a whole lot more than people think that it does. Um, it basically, I mean, it, it's it's their place. It was their it was where they belonged. They were removed from that. I mean, think think about Jose. If if your if the government came today or the bank came today and took your home, where you and your your, your family live, I mean, where would you go? Right. You can't just go down the street. That's some. That's where someone else belongs. And people wrongly think that. Adam being kicked out of the garden meant simply that, well, the earth was a big place. He just would go someplace else. But if they think that they need to go and read a little further in the Genesis to understand what that, what that means. And probably the, the best capstone of it is going to occur later in Genesis. When we talk about, you know, what did, what did, uh, what did Jacob say? when Pharaoh questioned him about the days of his sojourning. You know, Matthew says all over and over and over again how much he doesn't want to be here. And if you listen to what <laughs> Jacob actually says there to Pharaoh about the days of his sojourning, you can begin to get a picture of what it means to not be in your proper dwelling and why Matthew says what he says and what any Christian should be saying and more importantly feeling because we were we were told that that uh, judgment does begin in the house of God right and all who aren't groaning all who aren't grieving well those were the ones that the angels dealt with first this is not a pleasant thing Matthew, you okay? Oh, I'm I'm perfectly fine. It's just that uh, you 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 had to bring up the tree of life there, didn't he? Um, and well, I, ladies and gentlemen, I restrict. You know, um, I restrict what I say. But the, the, uh, like I said, I can go places. You've never even dreamt of. Okay, let let me explain something to you. This phrase in Hebrew, uh, there in Genesis nine twenty seven, that it says that last phrase is four is four words. 
it says Canaan uh, uh, shall be his servant. Or, like I said earlier, the merchants will serve him. Uh, Japheth, actually, like I just said. Or uh, the caliph. That is, alphanumerically speaking, that's 373. Now, <clears throat> you're not going to be able to hear this information, not anywhere else on this planet. Not anywhere, what I'm getting ready to tell you. That's not the only set of four integers that equates to that integer, 373. You see, because in uh, Genesis, uh, what is it? Uh, Genesis uh, 322, uh, there is a phrase there uh, in Hebrew comprised of four words as well. And that phrase in Hebrew is basically this, even the tree of life and eat. Now, here, let, let me make sure that I read it in the King James Version so you can understand me. Okay, I, I don't want to confuse anybody if I read it out of the Spanish Bible or something. I mean, we all know it's got to be King James Bible. Um, and the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become one of us to know good and evil and now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. So, right there, uh, is a, well, it's exactly the same phrase, actually, alphanumerically speaking. It is four integers that comprises the same exact sum thereof. And it is... In Hebrew, what I just told you, okay? The tree of life and eat. So now everybody's probably scratching their heads and they're like, wait a minute, it must have been pretty important, the verse that Jose read that somehow got us to the tree of life. It must be pretty important. Look, you can only see about as far as your nose, because that's what—that's just about how far you believe. And I do not want to cast a shadow on what you believe about the King James version being the only word of God. I don't want to shed cast a light on that at all. I'm just saying that. That must be what's at the end of your nose. And everybody's probably, especially, I bet, Jennifer. She's thinking to herself, Matthew's saying that phrase for a reason. You want to know why Jennifer's saying that right now? Because she knows that with the spirit of truth that will be given unto us, we will see clearly what is to come. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Everybody jumps in there quick. Amen. Amen. Uh-huh. <laughs> we hear you, Matthew. What else can you see with the tree of life? Oh, my goodness, I can see just like my mother. I can see clear to the gates of glory. All you got to do is say to me, tree of life. I can see clear way to the gates of glory. 
Anyway, Jose, it's pretty important. Uh, I'm glad that we're covering uh, these verses. You probably need to proceed thereof unless we need right. to take a break. I, I think we've been on here for a while, ain't we? Yeah, we've gone about 15 minutes past our, our normal break, but, but uh, oh, really? I can keep going. I can keep going with the, unless you guys need to, need to take a break. No, this is, uh, this is Tim's show. We'll take a break if he declares it. If not, we shall drive on. I'm okay. Tim? All right, cool. Um, I just want to add one more thing on that verse where this tabernacle was placed. Um, that, that's a boundary that was established. And you can see who's Amen. guarding that boundary there. Um, some pretty heavy guard that, that was set there for this uh, boundary of the tabernacle. And so you can expect and that tent is set up again, that tabernacle is set up, there's going to be some heavy guard protecting that tabernacle. Uh, the next one, Exodus 24, verse 16, but I will read the stanza. And Moses went up into the mount, and the cloud covered the mount, and the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses, out of the midst of the cloud. And the side of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. So if, if folks can just see the verses themselves that, are, that this word is being placed into, these are some pretty heavy verses. These are, I mean... You know, as you've read the Bible in the English and the King James or New American Standard, you know the countless numbers of times that you've seen the word tent, you've seen the word dwelling, you've seen the word, the word tabernacle. But this specific spelling being used in just these first couple of verses we covered should let you know the importance of it. So, Tim's your comment on verse 16 of Exodus chapter 3, chapter 24, I'm sorry. Well, I, I immediately think about that cleft, um, the cleft of the rock. I mean, because we're given, we're given two different examples. Um, we're given the example of that loincloth that was placed in the cleft of the rock. Amen. Amen. And we're also told that um, someone hid in the cleft while the while the Lord passed by, right? Ah, yes, because he could not see his face. Oh no! And that's that's immediately what comes to my mind. Right. Well, this has everything to be able to. You know, you have to be uh, qualified to cross the mighty cherubim's threshold there in the throne room, don't you? Amen. Nobody dares, nobody dares cross their ship, uh, their threshold, unless, of course, you look like you're already dead, maybe like a lamb that's been slain. Then, then they'll let you cross. But of course, we all know this. Um, you know the phrase "beyond the veil," one forty-four. That's two different integers. I'm not going to give it. I'm not going to give it to you, just because it's got nothing to do with this. But um, only the 144. 
can penetrate that threshold. Uh, only they can ascend to the peak of Mount Zion. Just they and they alone. No, no one else. Uh, but anyway, yes, very important there. Uh, he had to be hidden from the face of the Lord his God. Uh, we may see, uh, you know, his countenance, the, 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 the back, what his back looks like. Amen. Amen. Well, Matthew, Amen. that's why that that's why that cloud had to cover that mount for six days. That's your one forty four there, six times twenty four. So that's right. Any any way you riddle this, uh, God just keeps uh, saying the same things over and over again. Right, because so let's well, well let let's let's talk about this for a minute. Um, any equation, okay? An equation is only meant to interpret a thought. A thought can only be constructed in your mind with words, right? Amen. Right. All right. Here, let's 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 talk about this for a minute. Um, let's say that we want to know how many cardinal points there are. Well, to us, uh, we need to, to relay that. Uh, with numbers, so that's that's four. There's four cardinal points equals direction, right? So we have to use numbers, but our mind don't think in numbers. Our mind thinks in thoughts because his thoughts are higher than ours. Did I just make you mad? I hope so. Uh-oh, now I'm in real trouble, ain't I? Anyway, uh, let's take a chemistry major, right? Uh, a chemistry major can only determine, Thames, uh, what the proper dosage is using a mathematical formula of numbers. But the idea is, what is Thames' weight, what is his body-to-mass ratio, so that she can determine how much medicine to give you, right? Amen. Okay, because uh, she's trying to help you. All right? So... It's not that you your mind needs to know exactly where east is. That is grid coordinates that, well, you don't think about grid coordinates. You just need to know which direction do I pray, which, which weighs east if you're a particular a member of a caliphate, correct? Amen. But you're not thinking of, well, you know, that's such and such number, and I need to get out my azimuth finder and shoot the azimuth and all that. So that's what I'm, I'm relaying. Uh, to you, that um, that Jose said that, and it prepped me to say that, uh, that we don't think in numbers. We, we never did. Numbers really don't make any sense to us. What we're trying to do is find out, well, usually what it equals. The equals symbol is a realization of what we need. What What do you need to do based on the numbers? Right, and when you take the numbers out of any context, which is human, we, we can't equate to it. A billion means nothing. But yeah. if I say two feet, I can say, well, that goes up to about where my kneecap is, right? So exactly. we're always putting it to a measure of a man, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's why that's the way he does what he does. And I've tried to tell everybody that here. Recently, I don't know how many emails I got asking me, now, what about the metric system and the mark of the beast? Uh, 
I don't want to talk about the beast. I'd rather shoot myself in the head uh, than talk about the beast. But yes, Thames, yes, glory unto God in the highest. Um, glory to God in the highest. Um, yes, Thames, exactly. That, that's what I'm trying to say, and I want to thank you for that, because sometimes I speak like, you know, I'm ten feet over people's head, and that's not where I belong. That's too many feet. I'm over their head. And we all know that a man's average height is six foot, so I got no business being at ten foot, and you've helped me bring down my equation into the proper proportion so that it can be right at ear height level. So thank you for that. Well, one other thing there, since we're talking about that uh, trip there up the mountain, remember the Lord said something very interesting to the children of Israel. He told them to abstain from intercourse for three days prior to that visitation. Right. And if you study conception, it takes about three days for the man's seed to reach the woman's seed. Right. Um, right, right, exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, I, I, I mean, when when you tie that back to the hundred and forty-four thousand, it 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 was actually <laughs> saying a whole lot more. Right. I mean, yes, yes, yes. You were you were you were tempting the Lord your God to do something that it was not time to do. Um, Only the dot. Look, okay, list, list, list. Man, I just want to come out of the gate, you know. Let the little bell go off and let my horse just go boom out of that gate like a bullet. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord your God commanded them, look, you better not touch the inclination. They're all like, what What are you talking He plainly told them, now, Moses, you need to let the children of Israel know they better not get out on the side of that mountain. What he was saying was you better not ascend that, incl that inclination. That's a degree. Because that is reserved for the daughters of Zion and the daughters of Zion alone. They alone may do such thing. Now I've probably Amen. really confused everybody. But the 144,000 alone are, be, are to be conceived on the sides of that slope, on that Amen. inclination. They and they alone. Uh, now look, our dimension up and down can change, okay? Here, let me explain to you. Um, right now, uh, Thames, do you know uh, the city you're located, what is its average uh, height above sea level? What are we, like 400 feet or something, Jose? <laughs> it's not much. Yep. Okay, all right. All right, well, uh, my height here is in the thousands. So that's permitted, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, we're at different heights, but that's not what the Lord your God said. Don't get on the slopes of the mountain. Don't get on the inclination. So you, you have to remain at a zero-degree inc uh, inclination to the relative plane, which is the ground. Only the 144,000 that is to ascend Mount Zion, may they be be conceived on that degree 
And now you kibosh are getting really mad at me that used to email me all the time when I was on the End Time Tribune, ain't you? You're just fuming. Because you know exactly that you emailed me repeatedly and asked me this question. What's the degree? What's the inclination? Here. Let me give you a hint so you can go buy a clue. Go get the spirit of truth and he'll tell you the degree. <laughs> I promise with my wee little bitty heart, the spirit of truth will tell you what degree that is. So anyway, that's very exciting because now I'm talking about promises that do not pertain to me. You know? Because I get excited when somebody gets even a better thing than me. And the daughters of Zion, oh my goodness. What a Ruth they will be. What a Anna they will become. The Lord their God will be with them even as David was with Abigail. And even though I don't get to be a part of it, I really am excited uh, for them. Because I know their mind's going to be topsy-turvy. They're going to yell and scream. You know, they're going to, well, they're even going to be afraid to approach their husbands that are Christians and tell them, I had a miscarriage. I just can't seem to find the fetus. Because it's a, it's a terrible thing, ladies and gentlemen, you know, having a miscarriage. Especially in that last trimester, you know, you get the umbilical cord and all that, but then people's going to start asking questions whenever they have the miscarriage and the biblical cord's there, the water sack there, everything's there except that baby. Everything's there except that baby. And by the way, that reminds me of something else. And you know what? My memory is just absolutely uh, mind-boggling to me sometimes, the things that I can remember, the things that I can recall as I've gazed upon his word. Um, you know, does anybody realize uh, that... <laughs> I'm going to say this, and people are going to get really upset. Um, the first phrase uh, there in Genesis 9.27 with Japheth in it, it is a string of three words. But the last word, well, in modern Hebrew, that means fibrosis. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm being a smart aleck. Uh, but you see, I didn't learn modern Hebrew. Never cared nothing about it. Because I'll be damned before I'll talk take part in something before the Lord my God grants it to me as a promise. And I've got the promise that I'm going to get a pure language one of these days. And it wasn't in 1948. Because I will see his face. I want to see it that I may live. You know, like that... Like that very famous 
sea captain said there in that conflict, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. I want to see his face. Whether it costs me my life or not, Thames, whether it costs me my life or not, I want the kingdom of heaven. That's that's what I want. Amen. Amen. Isn't that our inheritance? That is. It is. It's not that new Mustang or a pair of Jordache jeans. It's actually him. It's him. Right now, he's looking as if a lamb that had been slain, make no mistakes, one of these bo- one of these days, those at the altar are going to get the attention of our Father who is in heaven. And he's going to issue the white robes. And then he's going to put a time frame on it, and he's going to tell them, you wait a little bit while longer, let me have a talk with the riders for a minute. Let's get this show on the road. And they ain't getting Jordache jeans. You understand me, uh, Thames? They they ain't getting Jordache jeans. But anyway, um, good stuff, man. This is good stuff. I'm excited to be here today. Amen. Well, you mentioned the uh, martyrs there when we talked to Job 14.14. They're mentioned right there, plain as day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Plain as day. Of course they are. They're the triggering event. They're they're what we're waiting for. I don't care what all these idiots say and run around, you know, uh, that blather and lie about imminence. Don't tell me that the Christ, my king, can come back at any moment. Don't you dare say that. You know what? You say that, and you're going to wind up with God himself's boot in your face because what has value to him are those that have given their lives just like his son gave his life they have given their lives for his son and they outweigh anybody when it comes to value and that's what we're waiting on Amen. we're waiting we're waiting for them to get in harmony you understand Tams, have you ever been to a church choir during practice when you got 30 people up there and they're all singing out of tune? Yeah. And oh my goodness, the music minister, she just gets hot under the collar and frustrated and she says, shut up, how many times? But then eventually comes the morn when under her direction they all sing in perfect harmony. Amen? Right? Amen. Right? Am I lying? I'm telling the truth, right? You're telling the truth. Well, that's what you're waiting for. Because as soon as they get into harmony, their voice will reach his ears. And then you better look out, baby. Because the Lord your God's going to tattoo Matthew 24 right on your forehead. And by God, you'll believe it or not. doesn't matter if you walk away from the mirror and don't realize, hey, man, I had some, what the heck was the whole chapter doing printed on my forehead? I don't care if you know it's there or not. <laughs> you see, because that's, that's, that's the shape of the tread on his boot. It's actually Matthew 24, man. <laughs> that's kind of If you're lucky, Matthew, you'll, you'll get both boots, right? You'll, you'll get the Greek and the Hebrew right there with the forehead. 
That's right. <laughs> That's completely uncalled for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, you know, Jose, this is going wonderful places. Uh, where else is this uh, tabernacle in the word well, of the Lord my God that I might go there? It's interesting that you bring up, you and Tim's bring up the, the martyrs and, and what they're going to cry out because we're going to read this, these verses in the Hebrew, but if you read it in the Greek, you'll see the martyrs in this next set of verses. Uh, we're going to Numbers 10, uh, verse 12, but I will read 11 and 13 as well. Now it came about in the second year, in the second month, on the 20th of the month, that the cloud was lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony. And the sons of Israel set out on their journeys from the wilderness of Sinai. Then the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Haran. So they moved out for the first time according to the commandment of the Lord through Moses. And then after these verses, you get the standards of the camps moving out of the sons of Israel. Now, that first time you heard tabernacle in verse 11, that is the Mishkan. The Mishkan of the testimony. And look at that word testimony in the Greek, and you will find the martyrs. And the word that we see talking about the tents of Shem is in verse 12, where the cloud settled down or tabernacles in the wilderness of Paran. And that seems to be, Matthew, that that's an isoconal event here that we're talking about. Uh, yeah, that's, that's actually how time works. So, yeah, uh, exactly. Well, I'm just going to point out that, uh, you know, I intimated it last time, and I'm sure some people were scratching their head uh, when we talked about the bow. Uh, the bow in the clouds, you can infer from that that the assembly is gathered together. And here that's exactly what you see in Numbers. Numbers is giving you um, giving uh, witness to that. That's all I have to say. Amen. Amen. We can go Amen. on to the next one. Um, Deuteronomy 33, verse 28. And I will read this stanza for us. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help, and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. Israel then shall dwell in safety alone. The fountain of Jacob shall be upon a land of corn and wine. Also, his heavens shall drop down dew. Happy art thou, O Israel, who, who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord, the shield of thy help, and who is the sword of thy excellency. And thine enemies shall be found liars unto thee, and thou shalt tread upon their high places. Tim's good stuff there. We've already talked about the high places. Um, I'm going to hold my peace because I don't want to. I don't want to distract us. Really? I want to be distracted. Why don't you distract me? Well, 
when you read that, Jose, I'm immediately reminded of Psalm 18 and what uh, David sang about the waters. I mean, that whole entire chapter, I, I alluded it earlier when Matthew was talking about the threshold, but I mean, I mean, literally, you know, from time to time I do this, I, I, I will take the Psalms and I will try to match that up to specific events in the Bible, but man, Psalm 18, I, I mean, you, you talk about a uh, Revelation 12 moment, um, you, you want to talk about commentary, uh, I mean, a Reuters commentary of that moment. That's Psalm 18, and that's that's what I'm hearing here in what in what you just read. What I keep circling back to, Tim, is this word "do." When we think about how the Lord described the way the way His green earth was watered before uh, the days of Noah. Right. Right? He right. watered it with the dew. Right. Then he had to kick, kick the earth off of its axis there, and then we got the rain. That's how his earth was watered. That's right. And once he sets it back, he's going to water it with the dew again. And right. So let me just read two verses that have this word dew in them. <laughs> Amen. And he tells you uh, exactly how things are going to operate. Psalms 110, uh, verse 3. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast oh, yeah. the dew of thy youth. Amen. Amen. And then Isaiah 26, verse 19. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. Amen. They shall arise. Awake and sing, you that dwell in dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herb, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Amen. May it be so. May it be so. It's just simple, simple, simple logic when you read these verses. What God said to you before, and what He said is coming, and you can understand what He's telling you. Just that little, simple little analogy of how He waters His earth and what that means. And then you can expound your boundaries from that point. Um, I mean, that's, yes. that's the safest way to read and understand His Word. Ken, Amen. Want to come on those? Go ahead, Matthew. I just wanted to say that uh, it's wonderful that he read from Psalms 110 because it reminds me about the time frame in question here. Uh, because, you see, because the ten verses of the tenth chapter of Psalms, because they were moved to the ninth month in the Septuagint of the Greco-Bible source code, Psalms 18, of course, in the Septuagint, the Bible that Jesus was reading, it's Psalms 17. So, 
it all depends on how far you can see. And let me just ask you this. Um, Thames, how important is it with the timing of Joseph and 17? Do you remember that? Yeah, he was... um... Wasn't he? Um, he was seventeen years old, and wasn't he in prison? Uh, something. There were two two seventeens twice there. It was seventeen when he went to Egypt. Right, seventeen years old when he went to Egypt. He was seventeen years old when he put on the coat of many colors and made his brothers all mad. So it's it's amazing to me and. They're still mad, actually, but it's all right. They will be raised up even from the dead. Amen. Amen. Good stuff, man. All right, next verse, Jose. Next verse, uh, First Chronicles 23, verse 25. And let me pick a, a good little stanza here to read. Let me read verses 24 27. These were the sons of Levi after the house of their fathers, even the chief of the fathers, as they were counted by number of names, by their poles that did the work for the service of the house of the Lord, from the age of twenty years and upward. For David said, The Lord God of Israel has given rest unto his people, that they may dwell in Jerusalem forever. And also unto the Levites they shall no more carry the tabernacle, nor any vessels of it for the service thereof. For by the last words of David, the Levites were numbered from 20 years old and above. So that's right there in verse 25 that that shows up. And what word is that in the Strong's so everybody can see that? You're going to make me jump around, Matthew. Sh- I don't even it's have this. It's a con, isn't it? It's, uh, it's 79. Yeah, I, I know. Right? No, no, it's all right because I know you don't. I know you don't. And that's shocking everybody right now. They're like, well, how is he able to see that if he's not using the Strongs? How is it that Jose can see plumb to the horizon? And he don't even know which Strong's number he's looking at. Are you amazed at that? I'm just asking. I'm, I'm just asking. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be mean to you, but I know what you're doing because I can see you. I know where you're at. You're scrambling to type in the verses as Jose says them and bringing up there on that page that's not helping you at all. I've said this a thousand times. The Strong's isn't even keyed right. Yes, it is milk. And it the Lord your God has forced them to put it into alphanumerical orders to help you see, but they don't like it. That's why they miskey it. Okay? So quit getting frustrated. 
You just need to believe what Jose's telling you, because I'm here to tell you he is telling you the truth. And then you need to uh, uh, get that resource you're using and get a paper one, okay? So you can outline it and figure out what exact word he's talking about. And it's important that you do that, because until you do that, you can't move on to meat. Okay? So stop being frustrated. Do not let your enemy provoke you to wrath. There's no reason to be mad at Jose. Why don't you come be mad at the likes of me? Okay? Because I've been around this circuit enough to just, you know, let it go and forgive you. Jose might not be up to that speed yet. So don't take this out on Jose. He's telling you the truth. Right there is tabernacle. It's just that Strong's isn't telling you the truth. So stop getting frustrated and write the numbers down. Write the verses down so you can look at them later. All right? And yes, it has you all frustrated that, you know, uh, we here on the uh, Portico of Solomon is a coat of many colors. I'm sorry that we're not all Anglo-Saxons. And if that's got you mad, you be mad at me. You got no right to be mad at my two brothers. Because they're going to enter the kingdom before me if I have anything to say about it. So be at peace. You know, Thames, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your little girl there? How easy was it to go from milk to solid food? Was that fun? Not exactly. Because some of that food made her tummy really upset, didn't it? Yeah. But she didn't get mad at you, did she? No. She kept insisting that that we give it to her. She wanted to eat what we were eating. So, now, I don't understand. How was she so wise? Why didn't she understand that Daddy is the one that was making her tummy hurt? I mean, because that's what's happening right now. People are getting mad at Jose. But yet, your little girl was had all the wisdom of all the heavens to know... Well, Daddy's not making my tummy my tummy sick. He would never do that. It's his solid food. Why didn't she get mad at you, Thames? That's. I mean, that's. You know, she wanted to eat what what we were eating, and and that's just that's just the way they're made. That's the way kids come out. It would seem that God is correct in the way he knits them together. Amen? Amen. Ah, toddlers. Have you ever wondered why it is, Thames, that those two years and under are called toddlers? (laughs) (laughs) They're so wonderful. Hey, Jose, what's the next verse, man? And, uh... I'm sorry there, I caught you with your britches down, okay? But it it don't matter what 
what Strong's number you're looking at, buddy. Go right ahead. Yeah, hey man, you know I just uh, I I look at it. it. It's 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 part of my study, and eventually I get to it. But uh, when I'm when I'm looking at the verses right in my face, I don't look at it. So <laughs> it's kind of like getting rid of those uh, jots and tittles. Um, real quick, a call-in number, uh, 347-215-6791. I'm not sure how long we're going to go into the archives, but we got about seven minutes left. So we've got two more verses that we have to cover. What we cover after that will be uh, up to my brothers. But the next verse is Psalm 78, verse 55. And I yeah, but... Go ahead, man. That's go ahead. That's that's the psalm of Asaph, so we need to Amen. take a break. Amen. Okay. All right. Let's, we need to uh, take, a, take a break. Amen. That that that'll give uh, that'll give everyone uh, plenty of time to read those seventy verses and uh, seventy two verses in that psalm of Asaph. And, seventy two uh, verses. Yeah. Right. Even though uh, me and Tim's did read that uh, a couple episodes ago, the whole the whole psalm. So uh, th- that's there. Um, all right, cool. Let's take a let's take about a I don't know. We'll start with this song and I'll play another and give enough give the folks enough time to 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 get a refresher there. So about 7 or 8 minutes we'll, we'll take a little break. She never slows down. She doesn't know why but she knows that when she all alone feels like it's all coming down she won't turn
Sometimes it feels like I'm watching from the outside. Sometimes it feels like I'm breathing. But am I alive? I won't keep searching for answers that aren't here to find. All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. Take this world and give me Jesus. This is not. Welcome back to the Portico of Solomon. We are officially in the archives. No longer streaming, but hey, that's not going to stop us. Let's bring the guys back on. Hope we still got them. Hello, hello. Tim, is that you? Yeah. All right, Matthew, we got you. Got you in there, Matthew? Let's see if it's still on. I hope he didn't get kicked off the switchboard, but I'm sure we'll drag him back in here. 
keep getting a message. You just messaged me. Yeah, how I'm saying. I replied back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, folks. Uh, yeah, I'm over here doing two things at one time. So. Uh, and I, let me bear witness. If if you listen to the episode I did a couple weeks back uh, on Greece, <laughs> uh, what Jose's doing is not easy. <laughs> I attempted to do that one time and had uh, just a an incredibly difficult time. Uh, that's not easy. So I appreciate you doing that, Jose. Yeah, you're welcome. Let me see if this is that. Matthew, we got you. Is this you? All right, Matthew's, Matthew's gone quiet. He still might be on break, so I'll let him uh, message me when he gets back on. Um, but Tim, just your, your thoughts on, on what we've covered on, um, which, uh, you know, what, what are you thinking? I mean, I know... I know you had you had studied this out. I know you have things that we may not have covered yet, and and we'll get to those uh, eventually. And I know you you are patient in that, and you'll do it when the time is right. But and and, and it really is. It's it's like I said. It's kind of it's kind of easy uh, because any direction we go, we're going to cover what needs to be covered because God says the same thing over and over and he's going to tell you about dwelling in the tent of Shem whether you're reading Matthew chapter 13 whether you're reading Psalm 78 whatever you're going to go to he says the same things over and over it's just a matter of how he says it so so you know just just your initial thoughts on on when uh on when you you know what what we've covered here well, first, just thank you to you and Matthew. Um, you guys are faithful. Uh, I, I wanted to do the show, and uh, then I had competing priorities, and uh, you guys were faithful, um, just as you always are. Um, so thank you for that. Um, there are certain things that I have uh, haven't said, uh, as, as you've alluded to, and I'm not sure when and if we will talk about them, and, and I'm okay with that. Uh, it's, um, not, I'm not sure that it matters. Uh, as you said, um, the important points, doesn't matter where you go, uh, you're going to get to, you're going to get to them. So, um, maybe we just need to read Psalm 78 and, and then uh, start going through it. Amen, amen. Let me see if uh, if we got Matthew with this. Hey, Matthew, you oh, there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm oh, here. Cool. Glad, glad we didn't lose you. Oh, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> uh, I do have one request, though. Can can we please uh, read that psalm in King James Version? Is that all right? Can we do that? Now you you want to read the whole the whole psalm again or just just those those <laughs> verses that we have? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's it's on you, bro. It's on you. I mean, I know what it says. I don't I don't need to read yeah. it. Yeah, uh, I, I I can read it if we want to cover it. I'll, I'll read it. You've been doing all this reading, Jose. Let me. I, I'm happy to read it. I can read I can read the whole thing. Uh, that's not okay. a problem. If, uh, if that's folks, what we just, want to do, just just listen. 
see how many times God repeats himself, see how many times he said what we've already said before. Um, he, this is a nice recall event what Tim's going to read. So listen with that aspect in your, with that perspective. Listen to what he's going to say. Everything he's going to read is going to come again. And we need to be ready for it. That's the only reason the Lord your God has put it uh, here in the Psalm of Asaph. So, Thames, please, go ahead. Hear my teaching, my people. Masculine of Asaph, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep, their, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God, and refused to walk in his law, and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the land of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand as a heap in the daytime as he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this, and was wroth, as so fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they believed not in God, and trusted not in his salvation. Though he had commanded the clouds from above, and opened the doors of heaven, and had rained down manna upon them to eat, and had given them of corn of bread, of corn of heaven, Man did eat angels' food. He set them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven, and by his power he brought the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust, and feathered fowls like the sand of the sea. He let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitations. So they did eat, and were well filled, and he gave them their own desire. They were not estranged from their lust. But while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen, the chosen men of Israel. 
For all this they sinned still, and believed not his wondrous works. Therefore their day did he consume in vanity, their years in trouble. He slew them. Then they sought him, and they returned and inquired early after the God. They remembered that God was the rock, and the high God their Redeemer. Nevertheless they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues, with their heart. For their heart was not right with him, neither did their stead, did neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity, and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time during many a time turned he his anger away, and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did he how oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and lifted the Holy One of Israel and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. How had he wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan and turned their rivers into blood and their floods they could, also, they could not drink? He sent divers sorts of flies among them, which devoured them, and frogs, which destroyed them. He gave also their increase unto the caterpillar, and their labor unto the locusts. He destroyed their vines which hail, with hail, and their sycamore trees with frost. He gave up their cattle also to the hail, and their flocks to hot thunderbolts. He cast upon them the, the fierceness of his anger, wrath and indignation, and trouble by sending evil angels among them. He made a way to his anger. He spared not their soul from death and gave their life over to pestilence and smote all the firstborn in Egypt, the chief of all their strength in the tabernacles of Ham, and made his own people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And he led them on safely so that they feared not, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. And he brought them to the border of his sanctuary, even to this mountain, which his right hand had purchased. He cast out to the heathen also before them and divided them in inheritance by the line and made the tribes of Israel to dwell in their tents. Yea, they tempted and provoked the Most High God and kept not his testimonies, but turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. They turned aside like a deceitful bow. They provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. When God heard this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel. So he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent which he had placed among men, and delivered this strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hand. He gave his people also over unto the sword and was wroth with his inheritance. The fire consumed their young men, and their maidens were not given to marriage. The priests fell by the sword, and their widows made no lamentation. The Lord awakened as one out of sleep, and like a mighty man that shouteth by reason of wine. He smote his enemies in the hinder parts. He put them to a perpetual reproach. Moreover, he refused the tabernacles of Joseph, and chose not the tribe of Ephraim but chose the tribe of Judah, the Mount Zion, which he loved. He built a sanctuary in high places like the earth, which he hath established forever. He chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. And following the ewes 
great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob, his people, and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Good stuff. Yeah, how many times was the tabernacle mentioned there in that Psalm of Asaph? Ham, Ham uh, himself has his own tents. Uh, and what happens in that tent is a little bit different than what happens in the, the tents of Shem. So this this is just a, an awesome an awesome chapter. And right there in verse 55 is the word we're looking at. He cast out the heathen also before them and divided them by an inheritance that divided them in inheritance by line and made the tribes of Israel to dwell in their tents. Well, and he mentions the wine, too. Amen. Amen. And everything, and everything, everything we've talked here. about. Right. Bo's mentioned, right? Go ahead, Jose. I'm, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, no, you're you're fine. Um, I mean that that's that's why we read the, the, this chapter just a couple weeks ago for that very same reason because it it repeats what we've been saying. It, it's all here. It's all encompassed here in this Psalm of Asaph. Um, you know how how he ends it by refusing the tabernacle of Joseph and choosing not the tribe of Ephraim. Right? He chose David, his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes, great with young, and he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. That's the... That's what we're waiting for right there. Amen. Hey, man. Uh, I'm just going to say definitely. it since it... Um, I'm sorry, Matthew. Go ahead. No, you, you go ahead. I was just saying amen. That's all I had to say. Well, um, he mentions the the drinking. And, you know, the drinking is mentioned right there in Genesis. The father had drank from the wine from his vineyard and was lying uncovered in his tent and, you know, when I think about the drinking, I'm immediately reminded of Lot with his uh, son-in-laws. And they thought that he was drunk What he was when he was telling them to get out of the city. They sound, I mean, he sounded like he was drunk to them. I mean, that was a supernatural, I mean, that entire event there in Genesis is a supernatural event. And... I'm also reminded of Hannah in the temple. She appeared to be drunk. And I'm reminded of the New Testament when the Holy Spirit fell on the men and they appeared to be drunk. You know, this this wine, uh, this Holy Spirit, it when it overcomes you... Uh, 
you will appear different to uh, people in their natural state. But the things that you do in that moment are lawful, whether uh, it appears to be lawful to those that aren't in the spirit at that time or not is a whole other matter. Amen? Amen. Uh, absolutely, amen. It, it it reminds me of something else. Um, <clears throat> you know, Psalms, well, that, that, that Psalms there, verse 55, that's, of course, uh, chapter 77 in the Septuagint. Uh, but there, the word there used for um, tabernacle or dwelling, that word is uh, in three particular verses uh, in the New Testament, uh, Acts chapter 7, 46, and, and it translated, well, appropriately. Um, the 46th verse of Acts chapter 7 God, uh, David found favor in God's sight and asked that he might find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. You, you understand? You see how it's exactly in proportion to what you said. <laughs> the tense of one person would be rejected for the tense of another person. Uh, and this is all over Second Peter, the first chapter. It's in verse 13 and 14. Okay, so knowing that, uh, maybe I'll just... Uh, well, I'll just read all three of them. Uh, I'll just start with uh, verse 12. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already now know them and have been established in the truth, which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is eminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure you will be able to call these things to mind. So, the only reason why I brought that up in the Septuagint, going away from, uh, you know, the the Hebrew in this instance, is because everybody can plainly see what Thames and, and Jose was saying. Uh, this chapter is to remind you of these things. It's to remind you of what uh, your dwelling is going to be. And right there he comes right out and says it to you plainly if you can see it. Very plainly. So um, that's all I wanted to say uh, uh, about that chapter. And because, ladies, <laughs> let me be perfectly plain with the listener. Uh, the only reason why we're having this discussion, the only reason why this pro, let me go even further. The only reason why this broadcast exists, okay, the only reason why this broadcast exists is because I have done exactly what Second Peter, the first chapter, verses 12 uh, through 15, said. That's exactly what I did uh, with Jose and Tim. So that's why we're here. 
I mean, there's no reason for me to beat around the bush. Because I did this, because I taught them to remember is why the spirit of truth was able to teach them everything they know right now. That's the whole, like I said, if we go all the way back, that's that's the whole, that's why we're here on the Portico of Solomon. That's why the Portico of Solomon exists. Because I, as far as I'm concerned, I have obeyed what the law said, and yes, I'm referring to the New Testament. I'm explicitly referring to the New Testament, Second Peter, Chapter 1 is being the law. I have obeyed and fulfilled the law of verses 12 through 15 of that law, to the best of my ability. Anyway. So that's the only reason why I brought up the Greek in this instance and wandered away from what they were talking about in Hebrew. So literally speaking... Go ahead, Jose. Go ahead and finish your thought, Matthew, and then I'll, then I'll jump in. Well, literally speaking, what God was wanting them to see on how to get to the tents they're supposed to be in, it's right on the end of your nose. Go ahead. Well, it's, uh, it's perfect timing that both you and Thames took us to the New Testament. Because that's where the next time that, that we see this word show up in the Hebrew New Testament. And exactly what you're saying, Matthew, it tells us what tents we're supposed to be dwelling in, what, what, where we're supposed to tabernacle and who we're supposed to tabernacle with. The last time this shows up in the Hebrew Bible is John 1, verse 14. But I will go ahead and read the first 14 verses because they're just... Uh, Pretty awesome. In the beginning was the Word, and that Word was with God, and that Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by it, and without it was made nothing that was made. In it was life, and that life was the light of men, and that light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This same came for a witness, to bear witness of that light. And all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. This was that true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him... To them he gave prerogative to be the stone, the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which are born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And that word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw the glory thereof as the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen and amen. 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 Hallelujah. Uh, amen to that. <laughs> uh, and it is funny uh, that it stops right there, isn't it? Because, well, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, let's just talk about the man. Delich 
was a foremost expert in biblical Hebrew. See, there was no such thing as a Hebrew modern language when Delitz wrote the Hebrew Bible source code. Okay? No such thing. So you realize he could have used this word a whole lot more, except he deadpanned it right here. Tell me why. Why is that? Because right here, he made it perfectly clear that the reason why it, it, it would have had to be right here was so you would know which tent that his son was in. That's the one you want to be in, right, Thames? Amen. Amen, Jose? Amen. Was there any debate with what he said right here? I mean, why no. don't you read it again? Let's, Jose, read those verses one more time. Is there any debate with what he's saying here? Let's hear him one more All time. Right. In the beginning was that Jose. word. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Tim. So we'll, we'll give a different, a different sound in, in verses. Okay. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness to the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not the light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and he was and he, and his own received him not. But as many received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believeth on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Forever and always, amen. Jose, pick up the bat. Come on, I need a pinch hitter here. <laughs> well, I've pointed this out to Jose before. Uh, John, uh, verse 13 there. Born not of the flesh, I'm, I'm sorry, born not of blood, one. The will of the flesh, two. Nor of the will of man, three. But of God. Yep. I find that extremely yep. interesting. Right. Well, he sets up... Well, let's talk about what Jose pointed out earlier. How many cherubim are around the throne? That's, Four, that's the parameter. That's right. That, that's the parameters of that, that dwelling of God. And we know the only one who's ever crossed that threshold has been the lamb that was slain, right? Looking as he had been slain, uh, the father holds out, of course, the scroll that has two sides on it. And everybody weeps, oh, nobody can get the scroll, nobody can get the scroll. All of a sudden, the lamb shows up looking as if it had been slain, and 
the mighty cherubim permit them to enter that tabernacle for points. You're you're supposed to see it well in more ways than one. I mean, John does give us a physical representation so we can close our eyes and see it, but he's also that also is defined by a mathematical equation. He's showing it to you twice. So, oh, it's so beautiful, it hurts my eyes to look at. Well, and it all circles back to what we said in the beginning, what his body is that temple. Um, he said it, and regardless of whether or not we understood what he meant when he said it, um, we knew it was true. And so by studying out the dwelling in the tents of Shem, all it does is help us to understand what our Lord was saying when he said those words, that his body is the temple. And that's right. what, he, that, what his, that is what his uh, father is concerned with building. Um, that's why right. he only knows those dimensions of that temple. And that's right. why he's only, he's only going to choose when to cap that temple off, when to place that roof, that ceiling on the top Amen. of that temple. Amen. Well, he yeah. gives it to us both. He gives it to us both here. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I interrupted you. I just get too excited. No, no. It's just, Matthew, that's just what I think about when I think about those that he's going to take up to Mount Zion. Well, that's, that's that, why that's he shows true. them. Right. That's why he shows you there, and he himself takes on the appearance of their brother. You see? Well, here, let me explain to you. It says there that he looks as if a lamb that had been slain, correct? Correct. Revelation doesn't say he's dead. It says he looks as if he was slain to be dead. Well, you're supposed to know that's why he has the title Prototokos Necros. He is the firstborn from the dead in reference to the verses you mentioned earlier in this broadcast about, well, the dead are going to um, raise up, just like uh, the reason why dew was mentioned there. Um, of course, everybody uh, gets in a tiffy about, you know, we will become like little gods. That's who he's talking about. He's talking about Primus Resurrectorate. He's talking about uh, those that are going to uh, protect those dimensions. That's why he gives you that, that picture there, and that's why the mighty cherubim look at him, and he's allowed to cross the threshold. Uh, but take note that that description is given when he's across the boundary, right? Amen. Then he walks up to the Father. He obviously walks in the midst of those cherubim, and it don't say anything about him looking dead after that, right? That's before he crosses the threshold. So... I hear we're given, you know, a very visual res, uh, representation there of, uh, well, uh, like we stated, the, those children's brothers. Uh, you know, um, the 144,000 has a directly proportionate uh, amount of brothers. That's why uh, Revelation chapter 7 uh, is about one group, and Revelation chapter 14 is about 
another group. Uh, those brothers must be mentioned. This is why one group in Revelation chapter 12 is the male child, and the other group is who in the last verse? The rest of her children. Um, and that's why it confuses a lot of Christians. Well, if we're the woman, who's the rest of her children? Why the woman is obviously the bride, that's the church. Why is she taken to a place that's prepared for her and not the rest of her children? Well, ladies and gentlemen, Revelation's pretty plain. They have to be killed first. They've got to be numbered. And that's what we're talking about, right? I already talked about it because I could see where it was going. Why do those at the altar cry out? What does God tell them after he gives them uh, the, new, the new duds? You know, I guess, I mean, they might be, I mean, I guess it's possible that what he gives them to wear is made by George Ash, but... Uh, Tim's, what does he tell them to wait for? He waits for them to be numbered. He tells them to wait until the sum of that equation is completed. Who yeah. is that, ladies and gentlemen? Read Revelation chapter 7. It tells you. And <clears throat> let's hark back to an earlier, I think me and Jose did this on a video. Uh, Jose, let the listener know there uh, what what does what does the Greek point out there in uh, reference to those hundred and forty four thousand? What does it say there in the Greek? Do you remember? Yeah, uh, six hundred and sixty six, right? That's right. It has kilios. That's right. It has kilios using the final sigma. That's why the final sigma is used in the Mark of the Beast. Let's say, why am I talking about this again? Now I'm mad. <laughs> anyway, that's why the final sigma is used there. Because Kilios there, ladies and gentlemen, that's, it says 144 thousands, the thousands of 666. Which, uh, which broadcast did we do that on? Was that a video or was, was that on the Portico of Solomon, Jose? I can't remember. I, yeah, I think that was on a video. Um, and that was, uh, we're talking about the final sigma. Yeah, yeah. So yep. th that's the reason why. Um, uh, Jose, I'm sorry I interrupted your thought. You're obviously getting ready to say something. I just need to shut up because I keep talking about the stupid mark of the beast, and I don't want to talk about the beast. Uh, so talk about something good. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Jose? Well, no, it's just, uh, you know, Matthew... You've got all these flights of fancy when you're talking about the book of Revelation and on all these different theories that people have. You know, if you would just believe what God told you in the beginning, it explains all, it, it'll answer all your questions about it. I mean, it makes, the Bible makes sense. It makes sense when he told you about Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It makes sense when he told you about Joseph and his brothers. And it just carries on forward, and he's repeating himself once you get to the book of Revelation. Once he tells you about the male child that he takes up with him, he tells you about the woman that has to flee into the wilderness, and then he tells you about the rest of her children. It's, the, it's exactly what he said in Genesis 9, verse 27. Um, getting into all these other interpretations and commentaries and theories on what, what, the, you know, what, what is to come, just listen to what God's already told you. He's told you the way that, that 
the frame of mind that you're supposed to be in as you read his word. And and you you just stick with that. Let that let that be the boundary that he establishes for you. And then when he sees fit, he'll expand that boundary for you. And that's that's all I've been trying to trying to do, trying to be faithful in doing. That's what I know my brother Tim and my brother Matthew uh, has done in reading his words. So nothing profound or earth shattering there. It's just read the Bible and believe it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it it really is. Um, and people don't realize that they're reading it and someone has convinced them not to believe it. Uh, it amazes me that people don't even realize that. That, uh, um, I mean, even with Genesis, uh, these people will read it and they will subconsciously not know uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, if you believe in evolution and if you believe this this planet's a million years old, you why why are you reading Genesis chapter one? You subconsciously don't believe it. Of course he's not going to show you what he's saying in Genesis chapter one. You don't believe it. So what what makes you think he's going to explain to you Oh, I said this the other day, you know. Everybody knows what Genesis chapter six is about, right? And everybody knows what Matthew twenty four is about, right? Well what about, you know, Psalm one oh nine? Do you know what that one's about? Do, do, do you know what? Do you know what Genesis chapter two is about? And you, you know why you don't know? Because you didn't believe the first chapter. Because you believe in your subconscious. It's already been programmed into you by the bad shepherds that the earth is millions of years old. You could say, Matthew, that a stone has been rolled in front of that tomb. That's right, and what Jesus was saying, he was being very serious whenever he got ticked off at his own disciples. Hey, man, you better not shut those children up, or the rocks will cry out. And I'm here to tell you, man, that the rocks are laughing their butts off at you people. Because you sitting there, you'll swear that these rocks are millions of years old, and I swear every time you do, they're sitting there laughing at you. I mean... And I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just trying to get you, you know, because everybody knows that the half the battle is admitting you got a problem, right? Uh, I'm sorry, but God's never going to explain to you Genesis chapter 2 if you don't even believe Genesis chapter 1. Because this planet is not millions of years old. And all the geologists know that you're kind of loopy in the head if you believe that. I mean, uh, ladies and gentlemen, do you know how many feet... Uh, Niagara Falls has went back, has receded because of water erosion just since I was born. Ladies and gentlemen, if the Earth was a million years old, there'd be no, there'd be no dirt. I mean, do you know how many tons of sediment goes into the Gulf of Mexico via the Mississippi River every day? It can't be a million years old, and the geologists think that you're retarded for believing that it is. They, they. I mean, they'll get mad at you. I mean, look, if you're digging through the dirt and you all of a sudden find petrified trees that's standing right up, and they turn around and look at you and say, well, this can't be a million years of strata here because there's a tree right up straight through what you're calling to be six million years old, you idiots. 
So I. Well, it's the same well, cognitive dissidence that says that you can lie and you can steal and you can enter into the kingdom of God when he clearly told you that he hates false weights and measures. Right. Well, when he gives you several lists in the New Testament, he even says a gossip cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. But these people are retarded. They, they, they think that they're Christians. No. If you like him, you're a liar. You're not Christian. If you steal things, you're not a Christian, Thames. You're a thief. Okay? And if you gossip, you cannot by default be adhering to the Beatitudes, correct? So you're Amen. not a Christian. You're a gossip, right? Amen. I mean, I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry if you don't believe it, but there is no purpose for you to ask me to explain it to you when you don't believe it, because I'm just going to be nothing but speaking Greek. I'm, I mean, I'm, you're not going to be able to understand a thing I say. I mean, it, it, going back to the Psalms we just read, I know what God said there when he said he would cause an east wind to blow in heaven. I, I know what he said. But I can't explain it to you if you don't believe it. If you don't believe the parameters of that enclosure, I, I can't. I'm speaking an alien language that you can't you can't translate or transliterate what I'm saying to be able to gain anything from it. And all I can do is apologize on my end because I I can't help you and I wish that I could but I can't. But yet bear witness to this. What I just said must be true. We are on the portico of Solomon. The portico of Solomon was set up explicitly for the purpose and for the rhyme and the reason that Thames and Jose could understand every single word I said. Therefore, proving that you do not have to remain in the dark. Right, Thames? Well, I meant, and we don't... Um... This show isn't about abundant living. It's not about um, end times prophecy, even though we do talk quite a bit about it. But we don't, I mean, if if you tune into this show, if you just were to look at the hashtags or the uh, um, the things that, that would draw you to the this, this show, it's not this, the typical salacious things that people are looking for when they're looking for Christian um, media to consume. Um, we're not we're not covering any of those things, which should make us not very popular. Amen. Yeah. Speaking of that, I got a kick out of Jose the other day. He told me that uh, BTR contacted you with some rather strange questions the other day. 
did anybody you, find it strange? You remember that time, Don't, right? When they when they when they tried to ask you uh, why we were so why we were receiving so many listens. Yeah, I had a. What, what, they what's your, what's me. your what's your marketing strategy was for that, right? <laughs> yeah, they they contacted me at the first of the year. Um, uh, I was asking them some some questions and about uh, some technical questions about the uh, trying to do some things with the show, um, and uh, they when they saw the profile, they what do you guys what do you guys do? I mean, you're one of the you know, it's one of the more popular shows on on the on the network and that whole thing, and wanted to invite us to a marketing thing, and just it was it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Has that come up again? No, this is just. Uh... I was talking talking to Matthew about it. We were discussing the, the number of listens we've been getting, and and I remember what you told me uh, when you when you spoke to BTR. So I, I mentioned it to Matthew, and uh, he was pretty uh, pretty tickled at that conversation you had. They they can't comprehend uh, what's driving the show. Right. Well. Wow. Um, I'm going to say something. Dory's probably going to get mad at me, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care. Um, yesterday, um, well, there's been several times when people uh, emailed me and asked me, do I listen to the show? It's the best Christian radio ever. Oh, really? Well, me and the two boys popped her on last night. They were having some difficulty getting on the air. But anyway, I listened to it for exactly 12 minutes. Walked over and shut it off, and my boys looked at me like I was crazy. This is what they did. They come on air, and they said that they had the cure for cancer. It was about a specific protein. They were going into long depths, and then they said that a whole bunch of doctors had been killed because they found the cure. Okay, whatever. Give me the cure. Then they went on to say, uh, you know, uh, after this, that the only European uh, company that had been manufacturing this cure was forced to be shut down, and I walked over and shut it off. My one son was like, well, what would you do that for? What's the purpose? He said, I don't understand. I said, well, why give me the cure for cancer if I can't obtain it? I mean, that's like telling me, hey, I know how to make you a billionaire because I can give you the detailed geographical location of gold on the planet Pluto. <laughs> it's worthless. It had nothing to do with Christ, this entire broadcast. Now, I'm going to ask the person who sent me this message. Uh, I hope everybody realizes this, uh, that... Well, let's just talk about uh, the show I just uh, did, the Red Heifer Rising, with my son. I wonder if that show I just listened to, they're telling you it's so popular, and like they put the Portico of Solon back, back on like page three, the most popular. Uh, do you think they actually got 24,000 listens? No. They ain't even remotely that close. And Dory's mad at me because I mentioned the number, but... 
I'm just trying to take the law, uh, you know, the the log out of your eye because you got a speck in the other one. Because that's this broadcast that you're telling me is the best in Christian broadcasting. It had nothing to do with Christ, and he was literally telling me uh, that he could make me a billionaire by giving me the exact geological location of gold on Pluto. I let me explain that to you. I can't get to Pluto, so what's the purpose of giving me the information? If you're telling me that the specific uh, yes, and I did take chemistry, and I did ace it, by the way. Um, the specific uh, protein that I need for my immune system to stop cancer, if you're not going to tell me where I can go get it, then what you're saying is absolutely worthless. And more importantly, that's got nothing to do with the Bible or Christ, so I don't, I don't care anyway. Well, how about this? Your, your days are numbered and ordained. Um you're going to live however long you're supposed to. You could fall out of an airplane tomorrow. If it's not your time to die, you're not going to die. That's right. It really just doesn't matter. I mean, and, and that's also what I explained to my son. You can't kill me. Oh, Tams. Do you think the fallen would have allowed me to teach you to remember if I could be killed, <laughs> listen, your enemy knows full well what Second Peter chapter 1 says, right? Amen. Do you actually think your enemy would have allowed me to convince you of that under any circumstances? No, and I know he's already tried to take your life. And speaking what of I... mothers, I know what your mother did. And there you have it. So Not do I need personal, but she spoke life. That's right, she did. She actually kicked the sheriff in the shin, actually. I saw her do it. Uh but anyway, uh that's beside the point, man. What is the point? I, I why give me the cure for cancer, Tams, if I can't buy it? If I can't go get it. <laughs> it's a rat race, man. You're just a rat running on a wheel, trying to get that carrot that you'll never actually get to. Well, it turns... It's just another episode of Hogan's Heroes. Okay? <laughs> it's, just, it's just... I mean... It's just another episode of Highway to Heaven. It, I don't care about being entertained. I don't. And I know that Hogan's Heroes was all about, you know, uh, helping defeat the Nazis. And I understand that Highway to Heaven was all about <sighs> angels answering prayers and getting involved again, which everybody wants. And, and I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I don't have anything against Hogan's Heroes or Highway to Heaven or whatever form of... Uh, you know, serial entertainment you partake in. And, and I said that for a reason, because I'm saying serial in a different way. I mean serial as in a series. Everybody knows that Hogan's Heroes was a series. Highway to Heaven was a series. Well, so is this. It's just serial entertainment. And I don't, I don't do that. 
But I don't have anything against it, I guess. I mean... <clears throat> Jose, what you got to say about that? Well, let me just go uh, go back to the word a bit because I've been mulling over these last few verses that we read in John chapter 1. Um, going from the Hebrew to the Greek. And... I'm going to combine combine those two uh, languages here for a second in in these set of verses, and it's going to tell us who's going to dwell with the Son, who's going to dwell in the tents of Shem, who's going to tabernacle with Him. It's going to tell us who Jacob is. Um, John chapter one verses twelve through fourteen. But as many as received Him. To them he gave the right to become technon of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And... Folks should really look into that word technon, what it means and where it shows up in the Bible. And that's who we're supposed to be, Matthew. The technon epigalia. Waiting for the sun. Amen to that. Amen. We got about five minutes. No, go ahead. No, I'm just saying we got about five minutes, so go ahead and Give us your closing thoughts, Tim, and, and, and say goodbye to everyone. Well, I'm not going to tell people where it is, but you can get the name of the mother of all those who uh, dwell in tents. It is in the Bible. She does have a name. She sure does. Good stuff, man. Had a blast. How about you guys? Amen. Always. Always. You wanna you wanna say your goodbyes, Tim? We're getting ready to wrap this up. Well, God bless everybody. Uh I love you. Um please keep each other in prayer and remember that um we are clothed in the righteous acts that we commit for one another. I second that. As for me, everybody, God bless. Godspeed. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Thank you again to Matthew and Thames for coming on. Um, I mean, that was a pretty awesome show as far as I'm concerned. So God bless everyone. Um, Keep reading your Bible. Keep following those Beatitudes. Keep following the Ten Commandments. And wait for your redemption. Uh, That's what I'm waiting for. So thanks, everyone. And we'll see everyone uh, the next time we come on. Thank you.
open sun beats on my back as I gaze upon the unseen wind. And they are wandering, whispering wisdom that's eternal from the heart to the mind to the hand to the journal. Now the kernel of the seeds and the cleft of the rock, and it's watered by the winds, having power to unlock. Stop the clock of chronological logic with its homogenized systems that it better can't Lord, to come restore this land from its violence. I said, walk another mile. 